0: you You are the only king forever, forevermore. You are victorious. You are the only king forever,
1: makes our noise for
2: the Lord this morning. Well, welcome to Church on the Rock. It is so good to have you guys here worshiping with us this morning, and I love when we sing that song and say that the victory is yours, God. The victory has already been won, and so today we get to stand in this place and praise the Lord because the victory is ours. Amen.
1: together this morning
0: Let
3: this morning Lord come shake the ground Lord I do. And I can't think of anything better to do in the middle of worship than to have a few baptisms. Does that sound good? Amen. Alright. Any family that wants to come up, go ahead and come up at this time. Please state your name and why you're getting baptized. Victoria
0: Ashley
2: and just because during camp I just felt that I was growing closer to God, so I like completely dedicated my
3: life. Awesome, we are so proud of you. Well, Lord, we thank you for your daughter. We thank you that you love her, that you have a plan for her life. And right now, we baptize her in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, be filled. Amen. Amen. We're so proud of you. All right, please state your name and why you're being baptized. Miles, and I feel Jesus had a calling on my life, so it's time for a change. So I'm here. Amen. Amen. Oh, man, we're proud of you. Extend your hand, church. Lord, we thank you for your son. We thank you that you love him, that you have a plan for his life. And right now we baptize him in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, be baptized. Amen. Can we give it up, church? Amen. Amen.
2: Amen. Amen. We're about to go back into worship. And at this time, we're going to have our ministry team come forward. And we're going to minister to you but when I was praying over the service today I felt like God reminded me of a scripture we read this week out of Mark and it was about a paralytic man and he was paralyzed and he couldn't get to Jesus and he had to have friends bring him to Jesus and Jesus said because of their faith he was made whole you have friends you have family members, you have neighbors, you have coworkers that need to be touched by Jesus, and they don't know how to get to Him, but you do. Your faith, your faith can activate their healing, their answer to prayer, their miracle. And so today, I want to encourage you. This is a prophetic word from God stand in the gap for your friends. We're calling our ministry team down front. We're going to all stand up and go back to worship. But if you have a friend in need of a miracle, come down and agree with our ministry team for their miracle and see God act on their behalf. And whatever you have need of for healing prayer, um, for finances, we'd like to pray with you today. God bless you. Let's stand as we go back to worship.
0: i Is greater, and all my hope is in You. It's your word, Your word is unfailing. Your promise is unshaken, and all my
3: hope. Come on, if that's You this morning, all oh, Your hope is in the Lord. His name is greater. Make some
0: noise for the Lord this morning.
2: We're so glad you're here worshiping with us. In the back of the chair in front of you, we have a lot of information about our church.
1: Our inside look lets you know everything about who we are and what we believe in.
2: Our ministry guide gives you plenty of opportunities to get connected through small groups, classes, and outreach opportunities.
1: If you're a first time guest, fill out the white card in the seat back in front of you, drop it in the offering, or you can bring it across the hall to the connect room where you'll receive a free gift bag.
2: Don't forget about our Saturday night meal and snacks between our Sunday morning services. Also, the coffee bar is always open. We are so glad you're here, and we hope that you know there's always a place for you at Church on the Rock.
4: All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. Second Timothy 3.16. Our new Bible reading guides are in. Pick one up in the back of the chair or in the foyer. Well, I think of small groups,
5: so I think uh, of 2 Second Timothy 2.22 where it says, flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call upon the Lord with a pure heart. So the key part of that verse, and I think of small groups, is along with those. So you need this core group of friends in your life that kind of come around you and help you. And that's kind of where we went with Megan and Ray. So they were one uh, couple in our small group and he was going through a hard time. So to kind of help him out there, I ended up calling him every single day after work and checking up on him and then shooting him verses and there's some times where he just came over uh, one evening and we just stood in the parking lot and just talked it out and kind of went back and forth and tried to get him on the right track so I mean a lot of good stuff there so we're doing life together. Small groups, you basically make them your best friends, you make these close connections and you build into each other, and you do this Christian walk together, and you pursue Christ. And I think that is an essential part that uh, the Holy Spirit can really work in those kind of relationships to grow us in our sanctification.
4: Our new fall semester starts in August, and now is the time for leaders to sign up and fill out applications for our ministry guide. Pick up an application in the Connect Room or foyer. If you are considering leading a group for the first time, just pick up an application and talk with Pastor Mike or Sharon Ulmer. There's a list of DVDs and other suggestions for material to lead a small group that comes with the application. The journey of life can be difficult. Here at Church on the Rock, we wanna help your journey by connecting you to God, friends, ministry, and the world. We offer four classes on Wednesday nights to help you stay on course in your walk with God. Our Connect class is for anyone new to the church or anyone wanting to get more involved. It is a four-week class to help you learn about the church, help you get connected to God, and learn about your spiritual gifts. The Spirit-Filled Life four-week class will teach you how real friendship with the Holy Spirit can change your life. The four-week freedom class is designed to help you resolve conflict, break bondages, and renew your mind. The leadership class will teach you principles of leadership that you can apply in ministry, business, or in your home. Between our connect, spirit-filled life, freedom, and leadership classes, there is a Wednesday night class for everyone. Classes start this Wednesday at 6.30 p.m.
6: Amen. How's everybody doing? I'm telling you, isn't the presence of the Lord great today? Being in the house of the Lord, it really is. I don't know, but this altar today there was miracles happening there were some miracle moments and if you haven't had your miracle moment yet wait for it wait for it because it's coming today there's no reason it can't right there'll be prayer at the end that message could speak to you so just want to encourage you guys doing some great things As you saw in that video small groups are very very important especially the life of this church because that's how you make connections that's how you you grow spiritually you have a uh you share community you share life with one another and so but you can't have small groups without small group leaders so this is really the last weekend to sign up so we can get our books out with all the material in it so i'm looking out there i see a lot of faces that could lead a small group people that have gone through our connect class that maybe not that long ago but you know you might be ready to just do something lead some sort of ministry you know a lot of times when you think about that well what do i do and you get all these questions well should i do this i don't know lord you know what i've learned to do i just get it down to a yes or no question Lord, should I lead a small group, yes or no? And then you just go with that and just trust him for this semester. How many are willing to do that? I mean, just ask the Lord. That's good advice in anything you do. Try not to, you know, get all out there, just make it a yes or no question. And the Lord wants to direct your steps. Amen. You know, also, the Connect class starts again. And if you're new to the church, haven't got involved, the Connect class, just four weeks, a great chance to meet some people, but learn about the church and also learn your spiritual gifts. So those classes are all starting up again this Wednesday. The Connect class at 630 and the others at 7. We're going to continue to worship the Lord with our tithes and offerings. You know, there's a scripture in Psalm 84 that stood out to me this week. It said, for the Lord God is your sun and shield. The Lord will give you grace and glory. No good thing. Will he withhold from those who walk uprightly, O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you? A couple things there. God doesn't want to withhold anything from you, just like you're a good parent and want to withhold something from your children. God wants to bless you. He wants to meet your needs, but there's always a prerequisite. There's always an if in his promises. And if you'll just walk uprightly, that means if you'll follow his ways financially, he'll bless you. And one of his ways is returning that 10% to the Lord. It's called the tithe. And when you do that, Guess what? God blesses and redeems the other 90%. How many have learned when you give God 10%, your 90% go a lot farther than your 100 or 110%? It always does. But it says those who trust in the Lord. Tithing is a matter of trusting. It's trusting God. But here's kind of the other thing. You give to God, but you give through the local church. So you need to trust the church too, don't you? And sometimes you can't see the roots of what's going on, how things are done and our finances are always open board of directors you can ask pastor john he'll give you any information you need there and you just look at the history but here's the thing when you can't see the roots what can you look at you can look at the fruit and when you look at the fruit of this church i'm telling you there's a lot going to missions there's a lot going to our children and youth and i want to give you a little update on one of our missionaries this is global advance with uh, the shibleys
1: Hey, this is Jonathan Shibley with Global Advance giving a shout out to Church on the Rock, Texarkana. We are so grateful for your partnership with Global Advance in helping us to equip, to raise up the hands of leaders on the front lines of the Gospels Advance all around the world. I just got back from Vietnam where we were able to equip pastors and church planners and also Christian entrepreneurs and marketplace leaders that God is raising up in that nation to make a huge difference, even in the midst of a communist country. God is at work. And we want to say thank you for your prayers, your partnership. This is our 25th year of equipping global leaders for the cause of Christ, for the fulfilling of the Great mission. This October, we're going to be bringing together 50 of our international partners to collaborate and to point towards the future of what God is doing in the nation. So we want to say how grateful we are, Pastor John and Linnell, And the whole family there at Church on the Rock, Texarkana, for your partnership in the gospel with Global Advance. God bless you guys.
6: Amen. Wouldn't you think it's powerful if a ministry could add 700,000 souls to the kingdom of God? Is that a good thing? That's addition, adding. But you know what's more powerful? Multiplication. This ministry has trained 700,000 leaders to do ministry face-to-face. And so you think of the impact they have and how many souls they're reaching. So this is a powerful ministry. So again, you know, thank you for your giving and pray for our missionaries. Amen. Into marvelous
3: light I'm running and out of darkness, out of
0: shame. Through the cross, you are the truth, you are the life, you are the
3: This is fatherless.
7: We'll give Jesus a big hand this morning. We bless his holy name. The Lord is worthy of our praise. Hey, can we just slip our hands to heaven just a minute as a little child reaching out to their dad and say, Lord, we love you. Being a Christian is not religious tradition, it's not just going to church, but it's a real relationship with a real God. And Lord, our heart's cry today is for each one of us, Lord, we want to know you in a greater, greater dimension just pray that right now. Say, Lord, I want you to be more real to me. Not weird, spooky or anything, but the reality of God's presence in my life. God, not only do I want it when I gather with my friends in worship, but I I want it when I'm on the job. I want it when I'm in my home. I I want your, your thoughts to fill my dreams. I want to wake up in the morning with praise on my lips to God. I want to be serious about you and I just ask you, Holy Spirit, to take me to the next place in my spiritual life. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Hey, that's a prayer God loves to hear, huh? Praise the Lord. Well, just greet your neighbor this morning, telling you are glad they're here. And you may be seated. Hey, turn your Bibles this morning, 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 1. I was reflecting this week on... Last January, I was in the midst of a crisis that wasn't getting any better. Anyone been there? It was a health crisis. My doctor hadn't been able to make the problem go away. My, I prayed. It hadn't gone away. And I remember one morning, I was doing everything I know to do to, to keep going in the right direction. I remember I woke up one morning, and I wasn't looking for this to happen, but it was as if I heard A voice. And I don't say that in a weird way. It it was not like a voice that I heard with this ear, but it was so real I looked around the room. But I I immediately knew it was the, the voice of the Lord. It was the Holy Spirit somehow speaking in my heart. And what the Lord said to me was this. He said, when you've returned to me, strengthen your brethren. And it was the first scripture of hope that came in the midst of my crisis. How many know if you get a word from God, it can take you through anything? And I kind of thought that was like uh, uh, my earlier life when I was uh, climbing trees as a kid. Any tree climbers here when you were little? Yeah. You can remember climbing a tree, and typically there might be some rotten limbs on the bottom. And, of course, you know you've got to keep your foot real close to the trunk of the tree because that old limb can break. But invariably, you're pulling yourself up a tree. Have you ever had the experience where the limb broke in your foot and you did that? But if you had your hand on a solid limb, how many know it'll keep you? Well, this passage is what kept me at first. It was Luke 22. I went back and looked in the Bible because I knew it was a part of a Bible verse. And it's, the Scripture says Jesus himself speaking to Simon Peter. This is just before the crucifixion, just before the disciples were to flee from Christ. And Jesus said, Simon Peter, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. In other words, Satan's going to bring some trouble in your life. It's going it's to shake things up. But Jesus said, I've prayed for you that your faith should not fail. Jesus' prayer was not that the problem would instantly go away. He prayed that their faith would be strong. And what I've learned in my life is that when attacks come, Satan's goal is to rob my faith from me. He wants to stop me from climbing the tree of life. He wants to stop me from pursuing the will of God. And Jesus' prayer, after that, he said, i prayed your faith wouldn't fail, and when you've returned to me, strengthen your brethren. And that's what I've been trying to do in this series the last five weeks called Problems and Promises, share with you in a very personal way, a little deeper than I normally share personally about my own life, but share with you some things that will help you when you face a crisis in life, something that will help you find hope in God and hope in His Word when it seems like everything else around you is falling apart. How many know there's a rock that's higher than I? And it is the rock which is Christ. Well this morning I want to, which could be the last message in the series, and I want to talk about fear. I want to talk about something that I became well acquainted with at a deeper level than I have in my adult life in this experience. But when I think about fear, I remember when I was a little boy, my grandmother, and this is going to date me, but my grandmother, my nana, took me to see the movie Gone with the Wind when it was on the silver screen. That's a long time ago. But anyway, in that movie, one of the soldiers was wounded, and the physician cut his leg off. And I remember they showed that, and all I can remember is how gory it was, and it scared the bejeepers out of me as a little boy. And I can remember that night being so afraid, I got in my room, and I pulled the covers over my head, and I was scared to death, and I wouldn't come out of that little safe place. Fear immobilizes. Fear terrifies. Fear torments. But how many know God can deliver us from our fear? Um, In in the midst of a fearful situation, this scripture came to my mind and it became another limb to hold on to. It's 2 Timothy 1 verse 7. It says, and you know this, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Let me say it again. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and of a sound mind. The NIV translation says it this way. It says that... uh, it says, God does not make us timid, but He gives us power. And when it talks about a spirit of fear, it's not, not talking about the uh, 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 Casper the ghost or a demonic spirit per se, but it is speaking about fear in terms of timidity, in terms of being a coward, in terms of making us pull back from doing what God has called us to do. And I suggest to you more than just keeping a little kid under the covers, what Satan would like to do in your life is cause you to be afraid so you stop pursuing the will of God. So you stop doing that thing which God called you to do which seems impossible, which has an element of fear to it. And that's, that's what I want to speak into today. Uh, I would suggest to you that the antidote for fear is courage. And courage as we'll explore it today is not a feeling. Fear is a feeling. It may have a legitimate basis, it may not, but courage is a choice. Courage is the action when I'm afraid. And we're going to explore that together today as I've entitled the message, The Antidote. Let's first talk about fear. What is fear? Well, first of all, let me say this, fear, there is a good aspect of this word fear. It's the fear of the Lord. Scripture says, talks about in Ecclesiastes 12, it says to fear God and keep His commandments. Now listen, young people in particular, for this is the whole duty of man. In other words, as you are trying to look at your life and figure out what am I supposed to do, accomplish with my life, what's important, what's meaningful, which friends do I follow, what choices do I make... This Scripture says, in the, by the wisest man in the Old Testament, Solomon, he had tried to find happiness in everything in life, just like you and I do. But he said, number, number one is make sure God's in the center of everything, and the fear of God is the respect and the reverence of God that causes us to obey Him. And he went on to say this, it's because one day we'll stand before God in judgment and give an account for everything that we've done. So this is a good type of fear. It's healthy. It's respect. It's the fear that you have when you see a highway patrolman. What is the first thing you do when you're driving and you see the highway patrolman? Come on, you know. Yeah, you take your foot off the gas. Somebody said, Put on my seatbelt. No, you should have your seatbelt on all the time. And you should never text. Come on, we just know these things. I'll put your makeup on at home, not when you're driving. But the thing that I do, I always take my foot off the gas. Now, I'm, you know, usually not speeding, but it's a natural response because the highway patrolman has authority. I don't care if he's a big, bulky weightlifter or if she's a petite little woman. She or he has authority to change your life and take one or two hundred dollar bills out of your pocket. I mean, So you respond to this authority in that fashion with that respect. Well, that's the good kind. There's also a good type of fear that God has placed within us. It's a human response to danger. Uh, For example, if you were to see a snake and uh, you're walking along, let's say you're out hiking, having fun, and you're just about to put your foot down, and you see that snake, well, all of a sudden you learn to fly. If you're fishing in the edge of the water or hunting, you walk on water. Well, that's a good kind of fear. I mean, that's the fight-or-flight response that God uses to protect us from danger. But the kind of fear I want to talk about this morning is, is the bad kind of fear. It's that little boy under the covers. It's the person that's 60, got a doctor's report that may not be good, getting ready to go into surgery. It is that same kind of fear that at any age when you think about the reality of death, and that one day it's going to happen to you and it could be sooner than you think. It is the fear that tries to get on us and stop us and shake us and shut us down and cause us to cease from doing that which God has called us to do. Uh, This fear can stop us from engaging in normal activities of life. This fear can stop believers from doing the will of God. Jeremiah knew this. Jeremiah 42, the Lord said to him, he was a prophet, which means he was someone who spoke the word of God to people, and sometimes it was people in authority, and sometimes, like John the Baptist, it cost them their lives. Jeremiah 42 says, don't be afraid of the king of Babylon, whom you now Dear. fear. In other words, if you fear the king, Jeremiah, you won't do what I've called you to do. If you pull the covers on my, over your head, it'll shut you down. But the Lord says this, I am with you. Now we're going to visit that many times, but you'll see there's a thread that in, the, in, in the passages we'll look at today, is that the hand of the Lord is with us, and because He's with us, we don't have to let fear stop us. Again, as I in this season I went through in my life, there was a period of time as I was grappling with this chemical imbalance, as I've best been led to understand it, my uh, adrenal glands, that caused that fight-or-flight response turned on, it wouldn't turn off, and then they would turn on at the most unexpected, unnecessary times, and I couldn't trust them. I got, there was a period of time where I wouldn't want to go out to eat at a restaurant. You say, why not? I said, because this, this kind of foreboding, this kind of dread would just get on me. I was taking my wife out for our anniversary, 30-some years, 32 years. <laughs> I knew that. 32 years, and we were going to go to a nice, nice place, and we were on our way, and I said, Honey, I just can't go. And uh, I'm embarrassed to say this, but we ended up going through the Wendy's. He said, Well, you're a sissy. Well, maybe I was. But I'm telling you, I was acquainted with something on a level that I've never acquainted with before, and you'll face things in your life that are the same way. So what do we do when we're afraid? There was a passage, and as you'll see, I am continually referring to Bible verses in this series. Why do you do that? It's because in them I found strength. Through the Bible, God speaks to us. You will find that one of the most repetitive things we do in this church is we, is we promote our Bible gods. God's. They're in the back of the chair now. We've got a phone app you can download. Every day you read a couple chapters of the Bible. We encourage this over and over and over and over and over again. And the reason is because the most important moments of my day is the time I spend with God. And if you will spend time each day reading a couple chapters, you will find that God will speak to you as He speaks to me, not weird, spooky, or out there, but in a in a way that just connects with your life. You'll make better decisions as you are in God's Word. You will, you will feel closer to God. You will experience His presence. You will find success in your life. You will avoid trouble as you allow yourself to be immersed in God's Word. So this was key, and Isaiah 41.10 was was a passage that helped me. It's a very simple passage. It's a passage I taught my kids. Isaiah 41.10, Fear not, for I am with you. Fear not, because God is with me. What fear does is it makes my problem bigger and my God smaller, but when I meditate on the Word it makes my God bigger and my problem smaller. And when I would put my kids to bed when they were little, invariably it was all three of them, but at some point in time because they didn't want to go to bed and I liked to snuggle and they would say, Daddy, I'm scared, don't leave. I'd say, okay, but somewhere in there we'd say Isaiah 41.10, fear not because God is with me. But he went on to say this, don't be dismayed, I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will uphold you by my righteous right hand. That does something when it gets inside of you. It's as if if you can see this, this, this cloud of fear beginning to crumble. Come on, at the truth and the presence of God. Well, um, I, I'm going to l- uh, share with you about this uh, fear uh, from two Bible characters this morning. I'm going to talk to you about fear and courage from the life of Gideon. And then we'll look at the life of Joshua. Because, again, as we look at this thing called courage... Courage is what causes us to act in faith when we're afraid, anyway. When we're scared, courage causes us to act and to do that which is the thing that will help us get to the other side. Uh, John Wayne said courage was being scared to do something but saddling up anyway. Courage is an action, courage is not a feeling. Fear is a feeling, but courage causes us to act. I don't have to wait until I feel like Mel Gibson in Braveheart and Painted Blue, you know. And, ouch! But I, I don't. I don't have to wait until I have that feeling to go out and do. Come on, what is right and what God's called me to do? Josh, Judges chapter six, verse eleven. Gideon. Scripture says he's threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. Now if you know the story of Gideon, Gideon will one day be a judge in Israel. The judge was someone who was a deliverer. He was a key figure that was a a political and religious leader combined together. I pray to God we might get one of those in America before we go down the toilet. Oh, 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 boy, we're going to talk about this in the future. But how many know our nation is going in so many wrong ways? We need to be praying for the future of America. But Israel was in trouble. Their pattern of life was like this. Moses uh, is dead. Joshua got him in the promised land. And after Joshua's death, judges would lead the nation. And then later would come the kings. Well, during the period of the judges, there were times when they walked with God, and they were blessed and did good, and things were great. and I mean, it was just going well. But invariably, they would fall into idolatry. They would would go against the teachings of God. They would follow the ways of the world, and God would discipline them. And in the midst of the discipline and the judgment, they'd cry out to God. God would send a deliverer, and then God would begin to bless them again. So it's a predictable pattern. But in Gideon's day, it's the Midianites that have oppressed them. The Bible describes the Midianites. They were as many as the sand of the seashore. And Israel's here in this backwater uh, little group of folks. Well, normally when you thresh your wheat like Gideon did, you go to a threshing floor. A threshing floor was a large area, it was packed down ground. They would they would take the the, the wheat that was stacked up everywhere, the grain, and they would they would have the oxen walk over it. They would be things made out of wood that would kind of crush and get rid of the stalk and things. But in this case, he's in a wine press. A wine press was not like you imagine in Napa Valley today, but a wine press was it could be a, a, a like an indented place in a rock. It could be even a hole they dug in the ground. Uh, it could be in some way fortified with some wood or other things, but, but, but it was a very small, it was to crush grapes. They didn't have a, a healthy water to drink, so they would drink a lot of wine. Some was alcohol, some was not. But they would. The, here he is, and the picture is, is a guy either kneeling down or a guy inside of this thing, hiding, not having much food at all, because the Midianites would come and steal their food whenever he wanted to, and here he is just trying to get a few grains of wheat. So it's a picture of a man that's afraid. It's a man that's oppressed. He has right to be oppressed because he has an oppressive government that's over them. There's really no way out of it. But this is where we find ourselves in a context of a nation that's paralyzed by fear. And look at verse 12. The angel of the Lord appeared to him. Sometimes the angel of the Lord in scripture is a literal angel. Other times it's what's called a theophany or a Christophany, where God Himself comes in the appearance of an angel or a man and, and appeared. Well, anyway, when this angel of the Lord comes, He said, Mighty hero or mighty man of valor. Now, Here this guy is kneeling down and he is scared to death and he's just trying to get a little wheat to take home. And God sees not what he is, but God sees the potential he can become if he links up to God. It's like what God's trying to do is God has a chain and God has a big tractor and Israel's stuck in the ditch and the chain's broken and he's trying to find a man that he could be a link to link the two ends of the chain to pull the nation out of the ditch. And he says, mighty hero, and notice the phrase again, the Lord is with you. I want you to hear this today because that same God is with each one of us as a believer. That same God, come on, is with us. Jesus said, I'll I'll be with you always, even until the end of the age. That same God is with us, and that's why there is a potential beyond himself if he will allow courage to move him out of his fear to do the will of God. Verse 14, the Lord turned to him, and this is significant, go with the strength you have. Uh, your knees may be knocking, come on, you may, be, you, 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 you may you know, be in scare mode. But whatever strength you have, you go and you begin to do it and rescue the Midianites because now I'm sending you. And there's a divine potential that's available. And here's what I want you to see. Courage is the choice to act when we're still afraid. Let me say it again. Fear is a feeling. It's an overwhelming feeling. You pull the covers over your head. You say, I can't go to the restaurant. I I can't go to church this morning. I I can't go into the ministry. I'm scared to go on the missions trip. God might have called you to go to I don't know where and, and do what, but He could have called you to bring Bibles to Iran or Saudi Arabia where it's against the law to be a Christian, but yet God might have called you to go and, 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 and your family doesn't want you to go, but you know it was the Holy Spirit that called you to go and you're scared to go because you know you could end up in jail. Come on, just like the pastor, Brother Abraham, that's still there in jail after several years, and you know it could happen to you if you go there, but the Holy Spirit tells you to go. And my friends, you may be afraid, but courage will cause you to say yes, and fear will cause you to say no. Now this is significant. Here's where a physical infirmity like I had turns into a spiritual problem when fear begins to control our life. Now, verse 15, Gideon asks a good question. But Lord, how can I rescue Israel? He's seeing with his eyes. He's seeing what he sees, and God's not factored in the equation. My clan is the weakest. In other words, he was from the clan of Manasseh, one of the twelve tribes of the nation of Israel. My clan is small and weak. I'm the least in my entire family. In other words, I'm not big. I don't have big muscles. You know, I don't have a concealed carry permit. I, you know, I, 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 I just, I just, I, you know, I'm just, I'm just not the gala. How many know you and God are a majority? no matter how weak you are. Well, he goes on and he says, how can I rescue Israel? We're weak, we're least. And the Lord said this. The Lord said, I will be with you. Can you say that with me? I will be with you. Didn't Jesus tell you and I in the last verse of the Gospel of Matthew, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age? This is key. See, fear grows when we look at the facts on the least. But the key to finding courage is knowing that God is with us. Here's a great scripture in Hebrews that's helped me tremendously. Hebrews 13, 5. God has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. It doesn't say I'll never, you'll never have trouble. Peter had trouble. But the Lord prayed for him that his faith would not fail. Listen now. So we can confidently say in Hebrews, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. And that doesn't mean you won't be afraid, but it means that I won't let fear stop me. I won't let fear keep me from doing what God has called me to do because courage is a choice. When fear makes you feel like you can't, courage links up with faith. Trust God any way. And walks with the Lord. Now, look at verse 22. Gideon realized in verse 22 uh, that it was the angel of the Lord. And he cried out, O sovereign Lord, I'm doomed. So likely a theophany. Lord, I'm doomed. And the Lord said, verse 23, hey, it's okay. Don't be afraid. You'll not die. Now, this is the good kind of fear. This is the fear of the Lord. This is what Adam had, the first mention of being afraid in the Bible. When he'd sinned, he hid in the bushes. It's what Isaiah had when Isaiah said, Woe to me in the presence of the Lord. I'm a man of unclean lips. It's this respect of God that makes us realize where we are as opposed to where we should be. And it causes us to humble ourselves before God. That's a good one. But Now, look at verse 25. That night, uh, Gideon made a decision. God's called him to do something. He doesn't feel he's able to do it. The facts say he can't do it. This feeling of fear says you better not. But notice what courage did. That night the Lord said to Gideon, pull down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole. Now, Baal and Asherah were pagan uh, uh, symbols of idolatry. They were pagan gods. They were literal, you know, statues. They had a god called Molech. They would sacrifice their children in the fire to Molech, which means your little baby that coos and gods. Can you imagine taking that little baby and putting that baby in the mouth of an oven to try to appease your god? So there was wickedness that was everywhere, and his daddy, who's an Israelite, has an altar to Baal, so he finds his son with a tender heart to God and says, go and cut these things down. Mind you now, it's the Midianites who were pagan, who were behind these altars, and they were the ones that were in political authority, and you've got one man that's half scared, doesn't have a lot of food to eat, and he's supposed to take this step. But how many know you and God are a majority? And if God, listen, has called you to... Would to God that God would raise up deliverers all over America today. Come on in cities and states and towns and at the national level to turn our nation back to God, to call our nation back to God. Midianites are everywhere in America today. They're people of power, they're people of influence, but they're ungodly people. They're people that, 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 are, that are pursuing the pagan altars and the pagan ways and they're trying to stamp out every vestige of Christianity. Would to God that you and I could be a modern day Gideon, come on. That you and I could be someone that God could find to be a voice in a crooked world, not afraid to stand up for what's right and who's right. Listen, it's happening in America today, but notice now, then verse 26 build an altar to the Lord your God. And what did he do? He chose to do it. He took 10 of his servants and he did as the Lord commanded him, <laughs> but he did it at night because he was afraid of his family and the people of the town. Now, when I read that scripture, what stands out to you? The fact that he was afraid? or the fact that he did it. Because courage is acting in spite of your fear. Courage is doing what God's called you to do in spite of what's going on. Courage, we're going to talk about it now. Courage is the antidote to fear. An antidote is that which counteracts the poison. If a snake bites you and you rush to the hospital, they give you some anti-venom medicine. I want to recognize somebody I go any further. we We've got a 96-year-old preacher here today that came for the baptism here. He's preached in the jails of Dallas. If you can't, he's, if, he's, if he's with us here, he's sitting on the, the fourth row here. See him on his way out. He's, he's in a wheelchair there. But anyway, we're honored to have him with us today. 96 years old came for, came for somebody's, uh, somebody's baptism. Courage is the antidote for fear. If someone in your family took poison, you call the poison control center, and they, and they, of course you rush to the hospital, but the hospital will give you the antidote to the poison. Courage is the antidote for fear. To be courageous means to be brave when you face danger. It is to be scared, but face what you fear. It is to be scared, but saddle up anyway. The opposite is to be a coward. Listen, both Gideon was afraid. But he chose to be brave and act with courage rather than be a coward like other people. Courage is not a feeling. It is a choice to act. And when the choice links with our faith in God, great things can happen because it's not just me because I've bulked up or it's not just me because I, you know, have honed my shooting skills. It's the Spirit of the Lord, come on, that's using us as an arrow in His hand. The Bible does When the Bible portrays fear, it does not portray it as an emotion that we have no control the biblical command, fear not, for God is with me. Sixty-six times in the ESV we're told, fear not. We're told, do not be afraid. So it's a command, just like thou shalt not murder, thou shalt you know, not commit adultery, thou shalt not be afraid. That's different because the feeling that's involved, it's not a moral issue, but yet it's something that God would not ask you to do were you not able to do it. We find courage though when we're afraid. Let's take a few minutes with Joshua. Joshua, now you know his story. Joshua's a young man. He's been Moses's protege. Moses was his mentor, uh, and now Moses is dead, and he's leading two million complainers. And these complainers have tried on several occasions to stone him, and to kill him, and to get rid of him, and to go back to Egypt. So he doesn't have a fun bunch to lead. Uh, he followed Moses. Moses was a spiritual superstar. Moses arguably did greater miracles when uh, the hand of God was on him than anyone in the Old Testament. But now God's gonna tell Joshua something. Three times he's gonna address Joshua about being afraid. Um, let's look at verse 5. Let's begin here. First, Josh, uh, Joshua 1, 5. No one, this is God speaking to him and it's a promise. He says, No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. How would you like if God said this to you? I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. What is that? That's the limb in the tree that helps you hang on. That's the when you've returned to me, strengthen your brethren, which told me I'm going to be okay and get over this. That's the second word that God gave me. The God of peace will soon crush Satan underneath your feet. See, that's when the Lord in Philippians 1, 6 reminded me that he who began the good work in you will bring it to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. That's when the Lord reminded me in Peter that after you've suffered a while, God himself will restore you, come on, and establish you and bring you back to a place of fruitfulness. Everything that I've just said to you is encompassed in four Scripture verses that became real to me, that became limbs in the tree, that became as real as what Joshua experienced. It was a promise from God and his willingness to act on the promise. Because, you see, it it was shortly after that they have to cross the Jordan River at flood stage. I don't know if you happened to go across the Red River when we had the a terrible flood several uh, weeks ago. But if you went across the Red River, you would see either at 71 or on, or on I-30, it was a pretty scary thing to be. It was swirls that could suck you under. And here, the, they're supposed to go across this river at flood stage, the Jordan River, and they're supposed to just step off into it. But the priests were carrying the ark of God and the presence of God. So how many of God's with you, you can step into it? That's right. This same guy... When he faced the city of Jericho, it looked impossible for them to take it because it was a walled city. It was fortified, and they didn't have battering rams, come on, and they didn't have tactical nuclear weapons, and they didn't have, you know, the SEAL and the SWAT team to go in there. All they had was, you know, sticks and weapons and a couple swords, but they had the Lord God Almighty. And because of that, all they had to do, come on now, was walk around the city and shout every once in a while. But fear will keep you from walking around the city. Fear will keep you out of the church house. Fear will keep you out of the restaurant. Come on. Fear will keep you from doing campus ministry, from leading a small group. Fear will keep you from going to the mission field. Fear will keep you from giving money. Fear will stop you from advancing the kingdom of God. But it was this promise from God that he held on to like a limb in a tree. Look at verse 6 now. The first time he says, be strong and Now, why would God tell you to do something you couldn't do? Is it possible that we can be strong and courageous when we're afraid? What we have to do is we have to realize that we don't don't have to wait until the feeling is there to be courageous. We can saddle up, come on, when we're still scared. Be strong. And why would he tell Joshua that? I'll tell you why, because he was afraid. And he's going to tell him three times. For you're the one who will lead this people to possess the land that I swore I'd give them. He says it again, verse 7. Be strong and very courageous. Obey all the instructions Moses gave you, and then you'll be successful in all you do. So again, God is commanding him to act. And courage is the choice. And in acting, courage comes. Let me say that again. It's in my acting that somehow something supernatural begins to happen, that God connects with me. Let me share another scripture with you that when I read it in my time of great struggle, and I put it in my journal, and listen to this, Psalm 27. It says, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Now, I read that scripture, and it's as if it leapt off the page at me. I don't feel like I'm in the land of the living. I don't feel like it's going to get any better. I don't see God moving in my life. But the confession of my mouth would be, I believe I shall see the goodness of the Lord. I believe that I shall see the goodness of the Lord. Body feeling crazy, feelings wanting to keep me down. I believe, say it with me. I believe, I believe, I believe that I shall see the goodness of the Lord. And look at the next verse. It says, wait for the Lord. And then it says, be strong, a choice, and let your heart take courage. Where might this courage come from? Could it be? And then he says again, wait for the Lord. He just made a sandwich. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let yourself take courage. Wait for the Lord. Is it just possible that, that it, the link in the chain is the waiting on the Lord? And when I link up with Him and connect with Him and have faith in Him and believe in Him, that guess what? I will see the hand of the Lord in the land of the living. That's a powerful truth. Let's look at verse 8. Again with Joshua. Uh, Joshua is told, study this book of instruction continually. Now what was that? That was the the Pentateuch. It was the words of Moses. It was perhaps the book of Deuteronomy. It was the first five books of the Bible. That's what was around during that period of time, most likely. Could have been the book of Job. But most likely, those five books is what he was referring to. And he went on to say, he, he, he said, you study this book. But then he said, meditate on it day and night, so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. So can you say, study, meditate, and obey? Study, Study, meditate, and obey. Study, meditate, and obey. Is it possible that the same prescription today could have the same results in our lives? That. Not only, listen, but, 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 but would we be able to, to prosper, but we'd be able to do that thing that God's called us to do. This is my command, be strong and courageous. The third time, don't be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord is with you wherever you go. See the link up again? The reason I can have faith and courage is because God is with me. And the way I know He's with me is because He said so. Come on. I heard it. It was spoken to me. Come on. And I'm going to lay hold of the Word of the Lord. Amen. See, that's why when I was fighting my fear, and I'm telling you, for several weeks, I just succumbed to it. I'm being honest with you. I just didn't feel the ability to fight back, so I quit fighting back. And I would just let it keep me in the bed or keep me down or keep me on the couch. But one day, faith began to arise in my heart. And that Scripture in Timothy that God has not given me this spirit of fear, but God has given me power, love, and of a sound mind. So out of my mouth, when my wife says, how are you feeling today rather than not very good, I have a sound mind. I have the mind of Christ. I believe that I shall see the Lord in the land of the living. My tomorrows will be better than my todays, and I thank God that my today is better than my yesterday. You say, well, you weren't living that. It wasn't a reality. It was a reality by faith. Come on. And that's what faith does. Faith sees what your eyes cannot see, and faith anchors itself in a sure word from God. Come on, somebody say praise the Lord. Listen, we can face our fears with courage Because the Lord promised to be with us. The last words of Jesus Christ in the Gospel of Matthew is that I am with you always. Even to the end of the age. Come on. It's when you take your last breath. I don't know how the unbeliever faces death. My heart has... Well, I can tell you how. They whistle when they go by the graveyard. They ignore it. And they find the best doctor they can find when they go to the surgery. And they cross their fingers. And they, do, they take all the supplements they can take. But all of a sudden, they realize that I can't go any farther. My doctor cannot do any more. My lawyer can't do any more. My, my, all of my money won't help. It's a line I can't cross without God. Why wait until that moment and hope you'll have time to evaluate the situation? Why not bow your knee, come on at Jesus That's today, right. That's right. That's and right. say, "I need you." I want to close this 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 uh, this morning back where we began in Judges six fourteen, but let's uh, let's take just a second and revisit Gideon. Now, Gideon, he's out of the wine press. Gideon has is, is cut down the altar of Baal and Asherah. But, he, but, but they got mad at him and they wanted to kill him, but they were stopped. So God intervened. And then you know the story. Now we're not just fighting the people in the town. Now the whole Midianite army is raising up because Gideon is gonna be a deliverer. He's got thirty-two thousand soldiers with him. How I many know thirty two thousand guys? You can do a lot, you know. I mean, you know, you're talking about big 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 stinking ugly guys. I mean you can, you know, you can you can do some things. But mind you now, they're gonna fight the Midianites who are described as the sand of the seashore. They're way outnumbered. God looks down at these 32,000 people, and He doesn't tell them to sharpen their spears and get more arrows. He said, you've got too many. Ask them how many are afraid and tell them to go home. And out of the 32,000, 22,000 says, thanks for the offer. (laughs) And can you imagine two out of every three people leave, and you're still standing there, you know, and you're just waiting for Mel Gibson to show up, you know, in his blue outfit and and, and give you a little courage. But then God says... Still too many, because if you whip them with 10,000, you think you really are studs. You know, you think you really are something. You're the man. God said, tell them to get a drink. They're thirsty. When they go down there, you look around, and everyone that drinks water like a dog just lays down and drinks. Tell him to go home, too. We appreciate his showing up. But the one who kneels down, puts some water in his hand, and takes a drink and looks around, you say, I'll have you. Well, guess how many we whittle down to now? 300 people. 300 people. What's that, 1% of what we started with? God says, now you're ready. I'm telling you, you and God are a majority. And the Midianites are all asleep in the middle of the night, and, and here's the weapons God gives them. God does not give them tactical nuclear weapons, come on, where they can go wipe out the valley. What God gives them is a pitcher. He gives you your tea pitcher, and he puts a candle in it, and he gets a trumpet, and then they surround this valley where the Midianites are sleeping, and it's like a string of Christmas tree lights when they break the break they break the tea pitcher. You know what I'm talking about? So we got a candle there. They start blowing this horn, and then they start shouting, "The sword of the Lord of Gideon!" And all of a sudden, something strange happens. It's like it's like two guys that are kind of like you know sleeping near each other, like these two guys right over here. And uh, uh, all of a sudden, one rolls over and say, "That's you." Yeah, man. You're ugly. Well, get out of here. And then this guy says, man, you're so ugly. Or your mama's so ugly. And he starts telling mama jokes. And then before you know it, he gets his sword and he sticks him. Well, then his buddy wakes up and he said, hey, did you see what you did to my brother-in-law? And before you know it, you read this in the Bible. Now, not all my extra little that I added, but the gist of the Bible says this. They turned on each other and killed themselves. He said, Well, how could that happen? God. And the same God who did that. And then Gideon, come on, listen, Gideon at the beginning of the story is hiding in a hole, trying to survive. And now he's the leader of a nation. And it happened because of verse 14. The Lord turned to Gideon early on and said, Go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. And I'm telling you, my friends, it's not that you're going around like Mel Gibson, you know, going, ooh, 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 ooh. What makes you great is Jesus in you. Come on, it's the Spirit of the living God. And all God is asking you to do is simply say yes to him and don't let your fear paralyze you, but you go in the strength that you have and you walk in courage and you'll find God turn your fear into fearlessness. Come on, because of the hand of the Lord is on your life. Give him a good hand today. He's worthy of our praise. Why don't you stand to your feet with me? And we're just going gonna to reach out to God and have a prayer and go home. But before you turn th- off now, don't think about lunch just yet. Why don't you just reach out to heaven right now and say, Lord, I need courage. But I need that connection when courage comes, when God comes in. Holy Spirit, we know you've not given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and of a sound mind. And Lord, would you help each one of us? Come on, pray with me now. Help us fight for the sound mind. Lord, would you help us find that tree limb to hold on to when we're falling down that tree? Would you put something in us? that we didn't have before? Would you help us move from being led by our feelings to being led by the choice and conviction of courage? Because God is with us. Come on, just say welcome to the Lord right now. Welcome. Let this go deeply in me. I don't want to make my decisions based on fear. I want to have a little trust in God. And I don't have to figure it out. I don't have to have all the answers simply going to do what you've called me to do and trust the next step to you. Hey, let's close with a personal chance for prayer. We'll pr- pray and they'll sing one time and then dismiss. But I wonder if you're here today and something is really resonating in your heart right now. Maybe you missed the earlier prayer time and you need to get on it before you go. You've got a decision to make, a problem in your world. Let us pray. But Likely many of you, God's speak, speaking to you about something that's paralyzed you, a fear in your life. And you need to take a step out of fear. Well, let the first step be a step of courage to pray with somebody. Just pray that God would help you be delivered from your fear and do that which He's calling you to do and, and, and you live the life that He wants you to live. Most important thing I'd like to pray for today, though, is your personal spiritual life. Maybe your relationship with God is not where it needs to be. Maybe, most importantly, you've never been saved or born again. I'm so glad you're, you're in church today, but going to church doesn't make you a Christian. What makes you a Christian is when you surrender your life to Christ. Jesus called it repenting, turning from your old way and following Him and receiving Him as Lord and Savior. I'm simply the messenger today. I'm not inviting you to join our church. If you want to do that, come Wednesday night to the Connect class. But but right now, I just want to be a guy that's pointing you to the cross, telling you that Jesus loves you and He's got a plan for your life. But He wants you to make a step to Him because He's already made His step towards you. Let us pray for you today. Maybe you're here and you're a Christian and you've gotten away from God. Didn't mean to do it, don't know how to happen, but you know who I'm talking to. And you need to make a step out of your old lifestyle now. It's going to be a hard step, but I promise you this, it'll be a step you'll never regret. And it'll be a step where God will produce change in you and give you the life that you want to have because you'll never have the life that you want to have apart from God. If something inside you is trying to pull you out of this building as quick as you can, I suggest to you that's the devil trying to steal what God's wanting to do. I'd encourage you to come to this altar for prayer. So whatever it may be, they're going to sing it one time. Our prayer team is coming to the altar right now. And as they're coming, I just want to give you an opportunity to touch heaven together. Let us pray for you today. You just come on up. Let us pray for you. It could be something about fear. It could be getting right with God. It could be putting your life in God's hands. Whatever it may be, you come and let's believe for a miracle moment in this altar today. Listen, I love you. I'm so glad you're here. Come, let us pray for you. It would be our honor.